Amen. Hey, good morning. Good to see y'all. Uh, Bill and I are taking on another step towards receiving forgiveness, and it's uh, always a personal step. Last week, as we spoke together about the subject, uh, I kind of got pummeled all week, and and this week went really relatively light for me. Um, how about you, Bill? Not so well, <laughs> but it is well with my soul. It is well with his soul. <laughs> but it's amazing how when you start to take on these truths, how... Uh, there is a, there, there's such a practical uh, aspect to this uh, whole topic we're talking about as we're looking at the life of Paul and who is Paul. And we've kind of narrowed down to this book of Ephesians and this letter and we've kind of gotten down to this whole sense of, uh, you know, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold or an opportunity. We've kind of taken off on this series and it's called, Is It Bad to Be Mad? And, uh, and, and, you know, we've kind of looked at um, anger as the emotion, um, the consequences of really unresolved anger, and how it's something that just impacts all of us with stress or with bitterness. Joel and I were talking the other day about bitterness and how it's like uh, swallowing poison and waiting for the other person to die. And uh, so often we kind of live through that or we give the devil a foothold, uh, a place. And then last week we looked at... Um, 13 reasons plus you learned a new one during the service that added a 14th reason for uh, invalid reasons not to forgive. Right? I thought that was quite an experience. <laughs> While I'm visiting, seeing something came up, so in the process of trying to go ahead and share it, knowing what I'm feeling, doing the forgiveness while I'm talking, I said there must be a God because I don't know how in the world anything came up when I was doing that. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And, uh, and, you know, we're just really kind of trying to make sense of all of our struggles that we all face in life. And today we're kind of continuing on with Ephesians chapter 4. And um, you got the next, uh, the next sense of it there at the end of the chapter. Well, as we finished here, remember one of the things we ended with last week, that a lot of times people are saying, there's just something that keeps me from forgiving. And remember we ended with that Satan and his uh, dominions and principalities, his demons, uh, the spiritual bondage, he gets permission to torment us, whether it be through depression, he gets permission to come into marriages, to families, to businesses. If we choose not to forgive, so it's no wonder that he tries to keep us ignorant mm -hmm. of this truth. Uh, I think one day, I can't remember when it was, but I shared the story of Andy and Mayberry with Otis and Otis would uh, be the drunk the local drunk and he would basically let himself in and out of the bar or in and out of the jail and uh, he had his own key he would just walk in and stumble in there and open the jail and go in here and then whenever he was sober enough he would take the key and just undo the lock and the the interesting thing is we possess that power mm -hmm. we have the ability to keep our door closed so Satan doesn't have authority into our life and doesn't have that key. We hold the key and we're going to kind of start with that today and Pat will build on it next week. Uh, the, the verse we're going to look at is the end of Ephesians chapter 4 and this is where Paul is talking about, you know, be angry but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. But he, he, at the end of uh, chapter 4 he says this and, and I like the wording here. He says, be kind. To one another, tender-hearted towards each other, forgiving each other. But here's where we're going to pick up today. I believe you cannot be kind, you cannot 
uh, be tender-hearted in, in a consistent manner, and you cannot forgive until you carry through with what the next phrase says. He says, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Well, if that is the key for us to move forward into this freedom of forgiveness in our lives and, and enter not into some of the depressions we have and all the different things, Steve, what's that forgiveness look like? Well, to, to get really a, a sense of that, it's like uh, we have to go back to the cross. And it's so easy for us to kind of push that away and uh, depersonalize the whole essence of what happened at the cross. And I, I was just reading this morning, even in, in uh, just some quiet time in Philippians 3, where Paul says, I, I, to write the same thing again over and over is no trouble to me. And it's a safeguard to you. And, and really, he's saying, look, I, I never get tired of telling these things. I never get tired of telling the gospel. I never get tired of sharing the truth of what has happened at the cross and what that means to us. And so we're going to go back and, and we're going to look back at the cross so we kind of get a sense of that uh, forgiveness. And, and really my prayer for you, let's just pray. Father, we just come even now and, and we just need you. We just desperately seek you. And so God, I just pray right now that Bill and I would just be removed uh, from this whole process and, and you're, by your power of your spirit, you would speak to each person individually right exactly where they are. And God, you would speak to each one of us and change us and let us just get an incredible sense of what we have received because of Jesus Christ. We are so blessed and may you be glorified in our time. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you go to Luke, we're going to go back to even something we covered back at Easter as we go back to the cross and, and uh, back to Luke chapter 23. And, and if you remember, it's, it's where uh, they'd already, uh, you know, uh, falsely accused Jesus. He'd been the trials. He's drug up to uh, Golgotha. And they came to the place called the skull in verse 33 of Luke chapter 23, the place called the skull, okay, or Calvary or, or Golgotha. And, and there they crucified Jesus Christ and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. But Jesus was saying... Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. To find forgiveness for ourselves, to be able to receive forgiveness, which we have to do before we can even extend forgiveness, we have to walk into the whole process of understanding that as we've titled this message, forgiveness is finished. And it's not finished based on what I've done or what Bill's done or what any one of us have done, but based on what Christ has done. And if you go back to that cross, you get a picture, a really a minuscule picture of the price that Christ paid, and the spiritual picture is so much greater. But if you remember, you know, they started by whipping him uh, with the, the cat of nine tails, and it contained glass, and it contained bones, and, and just the idea was just to tear open the skin so that, that as that, that skin would slowly start to clot, the blood would clot, and, and all of a sudden the wound would be continually ripped open as they were nailed to that cross because what would happen is is that they would nail uh, right through their wrists and catch that nerve okay and just send shooting pain up their their arms and and typically when they would nail them to the cross their shoulders would be dislocated and so they would hang there unable to breathe unless they lifted up with their arms and with their shoulders to take a breath and so you get this picture of every time, not only do you have this incredible pain in your wrists and in your arms and in your shoulders and in your feet, but your back would be continually ripped open just to catch a breath. 
And then you had the flies and you had the insects and you had this disgusting picture uh, of humanity getting torn apart in incredible pain. Bill, you kind of got a sense of what that pain was like with the shoulders, right? Yeah, I, I foolishly, when I was playing baseball, uh, a ball was hit. Uh, I thought it was going to go through the shortstop and third baseman, so I was on second base, and I felt, I think I can make it to third, and I think the ball will go through, but the shortstop made a tremendous play, and I knew I was dead. And so he threw to third. I dove into third, and I saw him catch. I tried to avoid the tag, and I landed on my arm and uh, had a major uh, dislocate where the, actually the shoulder dropped down in the skin, so it hung kind of down here. And this was hollow. And I had never in my life had pain like that in my life. I remember laying there in tremendous pain. Just had heard this message probably a month before this that both of his shoulders were like that. And I could not even imagine that that was just a little bit of his pain. And mm -hmm. that brought me to a realization of what he had done for me. This is incredible. And it's amazing how he used that to get you out of baseball and kind of launch you off in a ministry. Uh, <laughs> That, uh, it is well with my soul. <laughs> but uh, through that whole process, there's just thousands of people that have been touched by the gospel, and thanks God for that. But, you know, I think the question we so often ask is, like, why do we have to go back to the cross to deal with anger and to, to somehow deal with all the consequences of anger and to deal with all the pain we're facing today? And, and, and it's just kind of a struggle for us at times to catch that. But what we need to go back is, is we need to go back and realize that the answer to anger is forgiveness. And it's found only at the cross. It's found only at this place really uh, called the skull in ancient Jerusalem. And, and, and so the first thing you hear as we stand before the cross from Jesus Christ is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Father, forgive them so they know not what they're doing. And the verb tense suggests that he was continually saying this. And so you get this sense of what he was doing as he went through the beatings, as he, as he was paraded through the streets with the taunts and the spitting, as he went through the agony of the pain, as he was nailed to the cross, as he went through fighting with the insects and the pain from his shoulders and the pain from his bodies and the physical and spiritual abuse, as he went through that, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And it's so easy for us to kind of just put this way off in a distance and think it was just some really zealots, some really crazy Pharisees, some religious leaders who crucified him. We need to get back in the scene. And we need to realize that that crowd that was watching, we need to realize that those criminals that were hanging by him were us. The crowd was the doctors and the lawyers. The crowd was the business people of the day. The crowd was the moms and the dads and the grandparents and the students. The crowd was made up of those who really had been a success in life and those who had been a horrible failure. The crowd was made up of those who felt like they had it all together and of those who knew that they had messed up about everything they turned to. You see, we need to walk back into that place and realize that there's not one person in that scene who is holy except for Jesus Christ. Every single one of them sinned. Every single one of them deserved the wrath of God. Every single one of them deserved the punishment that Christ took. 
and yet he took it for each and every one of us. When we come back to that scene, we realized he's punished, not for some distant sin, some distant transgressions years ago, but for what I've done and what I will do. You see, he fulfilled over 300 prophecies, really, back regarding the Messiah. And uh, if you go back to the book of Isaiah and, and, uh, and realize just kind of as a eclipse of what happened at that cross, in verse 4 in chapter 53 of Isaiah, it says, Surely our griefs he himself bore. Surely our sorrows he himself carried. We ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And so, Bill, as we, as we kind of come back to that scene and we think that he died for me, what, for what did he die? For what am I forgiven? Well, you know, the thing that I think got me where you were just reading that is we all in here have little time watches. Now we don't have watches because we have cell phones that give us our time. But we, we measure things by time. Uh, God is not a time creature. One day is as a thousand days under the Lord, and a thousand days is like one. When we sin against God, when we transgress against God, when we have our iniquities go against him, it is experienced like it was then. And, and that's why it says we get to complete uh, in, uh, in that which was lacking in the suffering. And so sometimes I want you to realize that if we can go ahead and realize that it's our junk that made him stay on that cross. Remember it said that 10,000, 10, thousands of angels drew their swords to come and take him down because they were absolutely bewildered why he would stay there. And it says in Isaiah, he stayed there because of his offspring that he could see. That's you and me. <laughs> you and I, your iniquities, your sins, your transgressions were there. And what is the difference? This was really huge is what is the difference between when he says that uh, and he will bear their iniquities because he poured himself out and numbered for our transgressions. He bore the sins of many and interceded for our transgressions. And again in Isaiah 59 it says in there that uh, we are, it says, we grope along like blind men, we grope like those who have no eyes all of us growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We hope for justice, but there's none. For our transgressions are multiplied within us. Our sins testify against us, and we know our iniquities. Well, let me try to help you understand the difference between these. Uh, when we talk about, and God died for your sins, and I want you to understand this because sometimes people get stuck because they'll only let God deal with or have some of them. Your sins are those things that you and I do separate from God. It's just acting independent. The word comes from a, a archery's term called you missed the mark. You aim at the bullseye, you shoot it, you missed the bullseye. That meant you had a sin. You missed the bullseye. We were all design, designed to let the living God live through us and whatever it is we're doing, cooking, driving our motorcycles, preaching, doing dancing, whatever it is we're doing, God was designed to live through us and join us. When we act independent, that is called sin. 
Matter of fact, I can be up here in the flesh sinning while I'm talking to you. Now, you may benefit, but if I'm doing this separate from God, that is the word sin, and it says he died, he took on your sins. Then there's another word called iniquity. Iniquity is taken from a word called twisting or benting together, and it usually has something to do with your ancestral uh, things that you just have these habits, and they keep coming up, and it's like, gee, I hate this. People call sometimes this besetting sin. It just keeps coming up. I can't seem to get rid of it. I am becoming more like my dad. Sometimes you think about this. And, and matter of fact, a couple of those things happened this last week. Those of you that know me, you don't have to laugh about it. But my dad is a great guy, but my dad was a con man. And, uh, and he was a good con. And he learned how to get things free. Uh, and so what happens in your life is if your dad was an angry person or your mom or your grandmother or, or maybe they were filled with lusts of one, some certain type and somehow you just tend to have those, those are called iniquities, those are bents, those are twists. Well, for me, I found that anything that was free then, you had to take. And it would limit you from hearing what does God want. If you had a, you know, one, you know, if you buy this one, you get a second one free. Well, then you always ate the second one because it was free. <laughs> and never had to find out, is this what really God wants? So I would block God's voice because my getting it free, the deal, trumped it. Mm -hmm. Now you see where it comes from. And God said, I paid the penalty for even your iniquities the things that you generationally have. Then there's the word transgression. Transgression is pretty in your face. It is called blatant lying, in God's face. It's rebellion. It is you're gonna say this, I'm gonna do this. Step across the line, no. And many of us have done that, transgression. I'm just gonna do it. I don't care what the consequence. So we, God says, I've dealt with every single one of those, your sins, your iniquities, and your transgressions, all have been dealt with. It's really a, it's really a hard thing for us to step in and accept because uh, we are bound by time. But it's amazing when you think about how they were dealt with and when they were dealt with. Our sin, our transgression, our iniquities, every single one of those things was dealt with at the cross. In the book of John chapter 19, uh, Jesus therefore received the sour wine and he said, it is finished. It is finished. And he bowed his head and he, and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. Telestai. Telio is kind of the, the picture of the Greek. And, and Jesus knew Greek, obviously, he was God, but that wasn't their common language, but it just kind of captures it. And for English, for us to get it, it just means it's complete. He's saying it's accomplished, it's paid in full. It's, it's, it's at the end, it's fulfilled, it's the end of the course. Uh, a prisoner in that day, when he was locked up in the cell, they would write down his transgressions uh, or his sins or his iniquity on the, and they would nail it next to his cell Good and after he had paid today. what's that? Good thing they don't do that yeah, today. Yeah, they don't do that today. Uh, 
although it, we could put it in the press, you know, and there's a sense of it that, that, that kind of just hangs with you. And when they were done, after they had served the time, they would stamp that. It's finished. When the mortgage was paid, finished. If you would send your son out on a mission and he would come back, he would hear, it's finished, it's finished, it's paid. And we need to realize, yeah, we see the law is finished because the main purpose of the law is to point us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Satan's power over us is finished. He's a defeated foe. He, he roams like a roaring lion. He's a deceiver. His power over us is finished. The suffering of Christ is finished. God's wrath being poured out on Christ is finished. Condemnation for believers is finished. Romans 8.1. And the payment for sin is finished. The payment for sin is finished. Colossians, you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive together with him. He forgave us all of our transgressions. He canceled out the certificate of death consisting of the decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He's taken out of the way. And what did he do? He nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. So how are we to deal with that, Bill? Well, it's easy Sometimes for me, I, I don't know if you guys are like this, when you can look back in the past and see just blatant uh, either rebellion or iniquities that you've done and say, gosh, I, I came from this, I was a murderer, I was a rapist, I, you know, whatever it might have been, and it might even just been big to you at that point. You know, I can receive that God said, I forgave all, meaning all of my past sins have been completely paid in full. I have a more difficult time when it's today, mm -hmm. when I do something and I, and I say something that hurts somebody, and then I look at it and think, the future, you mean this dang thing is going to pop its head up now and then, and I have a harder time, mm -hmm. but the word all means every single thing, because at that time it said everything in your life was future at that time. It's all that was paid, it's all paid, paid in full. But I think we get stuck on two areas, and these are two areas that I really feel strongly I want to challenge you and me on today. This will help us move into the freedom that forgiveness can offer you, and, and I really do believe free you even physically from things and de from depression and from the onslaught of the wicked so that you're guarded and surrounded by the peace of God. I believe there are a couple things that stop people, prevent people from that. And, and like the book of Matthew 18, and you've, you know the story of the man that owed his master uh, basically an unlimited, they, the word there was millions of dollars that could not be paid back. And his master freed him, released him, Tistelestai, paid in full, never did he have to bring him up again. And then he went and he runs into a guy, and let's say Joel owes me 25 bucks. And so I've been released of all this, and I see Joel, and I can tell he doesn't even want to catch eye contact because he ain't got the 25 bucks. So he's going the other way, and I'm kind of getting his eye contact, and finally we, we catch eye contact. And I'm not willing to go ahead and release him. After I've been released millions and millions of dollars, I'm going to choke him until he pays. Well, here's the illustration that came to me, and that is that let's say that uh, I had a long-lost relative that had passed away. I did not know this relative existed, but this relative was very, very wealthy, and I somehow from a distance had found favor in his eyes. And so he had left me $7 million. 
Seven million dollars that I got, and I, and I wasn't sure if this letter was true that came from this judge, so I go to the bank, and sure enough, I am seven million dollars wealthier. Now let's back up the scenario. I'm seven million dollars wealthier. I now run into Joel. Joel doesn't want to see me, but I catch his eye purposely. Why do you think I'm trying to catch his eye? So I can relieve his debt. Joel, don't worry about the 25 bucks. I mean, I just have seven million I just put in the bank over here. <laughs> but I, I think that, wouldn't you think that I'd probably do more than just relieve him of his 25 bucks? I think that you would. If we said, Joel, hey, I know it's been a hard time for you, Megan. I tell you what, let me write you out a check. Here's a $10,000 check. You see, that's what this is saying, is that to the degree that you realize what God in Christ Jesus has done for you is the degree that you can forgive other people their debt. Mm -hmm. I think that too many of us don't have any clue what we've been forgiven. We're like the guy that said, boy, I'm sure glad I wasn't like them. You know, and, and I, the thing is, the more that you find out about your own flesh patterns and your own iniquities and your bents and... I don't know if you get like this like I do. Sometimes I just think, how in the world have you tolerated me all these years? <laughs> and it drives you closer to Abba in such an intimate way, which is good. But in one sense, it's really difficult because the closer I'm driven to Abba, the more his holiness seeps into me, the more I see my ugliness. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. It's like, ah. And the whisper comes, paid in full. It's paid. Your iniquities, your sins, and your transgressions, Bill, I have removed as far as the east is from the west, never to bring them up again. When that happens to me, I don't care what you do against me, I find it fairly easy to extend this to you. Mm -hmm. Then there's the other people. You know, before you go to the other people, the one thing I notice too is the closer we get, the easier it is. The closer we get to God, the easier it is to extend it. And I can tell you're growing because in the first service, your example, you only gave $1,000 to the person. Here you gave ten grand. So that's awesome. <laughs> and somebody's, also, yeah, somebody's out there saying, oh, $10,000, $10 million? What a cheapskate. <laughs> All right, I give a, I'll give you $6 million, Joel. I just need that $1 million. That's it. That's all I need. <laughs> the other one is some of you out here, the, the more you look at yourself, the more ugly that history, that background, that iniquity, that transgression becomes. And you just feel so condemned that this forgiveness is not good enough for you. And I warn you in this. We all have a tendency to think we just have screwed up so bad that we really can't receive it. it. I just don't deserve it. And remember this. The verse says that we have been identified with his death and his resurrection. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I still live, but no longer I that live, but the very life of Christ that now lives in me. But some of you have made the cross, the death, the sacrifice, the payment in vain, made it not and void because you think the payment wasn't big enough for your sin. I want you to understand 
That makes you the center of this life and the center of this message. You and your sin cannot outsin the grace and the pain and the sacrifice of God. So when you come down to thinking it's just too big a deal, I want you to realize, oh, so Christ did not make a big enough payment for you. And that's the other person that is unable to enter into it. I'm encouraging us wherever we are, whether we don't think we've really done that bad or whether we think it's just too big a thing, nothing. Nothing warrants the laying aside what God did on the cross for you. And if you're having a hard time forgiving somebody because they continually hurt you or badmouth you, rather than struggle harder to forgive, I encourage you, go back to the cross and take a look at what was done for you. Mm-hmm. And let God begin to unfold it for you. And I, and I think as we uh, wrestle through this, Pat and Bill and I, and through this series, it, you know, uh, these things uh, become so personal to us. Every message, uh, God he works in our hearts, and we just hope some of it comes out because we know it comes in in a painful way. And so today, though, I, I really want to give us a, something that's relatively uncomfortable. And uh, it's uh, silence, okay, for what will seem like a long time. And, uh, but just a chance of silence, and I ask you to go before your Father, your Heavenly Father, and ask Him what sin is there that's keeping you in bondage, is keeping you away from Him today, that you haven't received the full essence of His forgiveness. Is it anger? Is it, is it pride or ambition or greed or lust or coveting or drunkenness or fornication or embezzlement or lying or slothfulness or maybe it's adultery maybe it's it's murder maybe it's some something in their past paid in full and I challenge you in these moments to go before God and ask him to bring to your heart what you need to receive from him and his forgiveness father gave us a verse that said search me O God know my heart my innermost being, see if there is anything inside me that has not been brought to you and received with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Be still as God shows you what that might be. Father, as we listen, we just praise you for your forgiveness. And God, you know each heart here. You know each person here intimately. Father, by the power of your Spirit, I pray that you would just move, that you would just heal, that you would just touch, that you would just provide freedom for whatever is binding us, and we just praise you. We just thank you. We just honor you for what you've done for us. Just be glorified in our time, God. And as God has totally looked at you, and he does not remember it, the word forgiveness means just as if it never took place. 
I'd ask you to enter in by faith and realize quit looking at yourself in that old manner again. You're a new man, a new creation made after the holiness of God. This is so imperative because next week Pat is going to talk about now how do you extend forgiveness to all of those hurts and everybody has been hurt. I believe you can't go there until this has been done. So as Tom sings a song here, uh, I would ask that you would go ahead and finish this work, and all you do is receive the gift. You don't have to perform. It's already been done.